live once again soundcast fm sports social i'm ed easton it is a monday oh man I, I you know what it's not even like a regular monday anymore besides the fact that you know it's the beginning of the, wor the work week for people everybody jumping back into it we had a little bit of snow here in new york city brooklyn new york not so much of course that's where we're broadcasting live out of but what i'm really just I don't know, I, I, I'm, I'm happy I still have my voice after the crazy weekend we just experienced with, the, with March Madness. NCAA tournament, never disappoints, and this year, it was even better. As if that could even be possible, it, it was even better than I, I think I've ever seen a first or second round. I mean, you're talking about upsets galore. It's your bracket from when you were coming into this, you know, thinking that, okay, maybe, you know, you got the easy wins here, the uh, the 2 versus 15 seed. You're feeling pretty confident about yourself. And then all of a sudden, you're looking, you're like, oh, man. <laughs> Not only am I sweating these games out, but we're getting beat pretty bad here. You're talking about teams like Michigan State, who I had to believe about maybe 50% of the country picked them to be the winner. They picked him to win the whole thing as a number two seed. I was just talking last week about how Michigan State, you know, they, they got robbed. They deserved a true number one seed. They, they, they deserved it over Oregon. They probably deserved it over Virginia. And as I say that, now I have to, like, keep my mouth shut because you just had Michigan State drop to Middle Tennessee. And this on Friday you know, came as a huge shock, and, and let me just give you the setting of where I was when this happened. I was actually at NCAA tournament games here in um, Barclays Center, right by Brooklyn. It's in Brooklyn, I should say, but it's uh, not too far from the studio here for Soundcast FM. I went to the early session, catch a doubleheader, Villanova took care of uh, UNC Asheville. Didn't even, it was like a 30-point beatdown. It wasn't even close. The second game, however, it was worth the uh, price of admission, and for most people that came during the day, didn't really have to pay an arm and a leg to go. The evening session, however, was a bit much, and that's understandable on a Friday night. But that second game between Temple and Iowa, going into overtime, the guy from Temple getting fouled on a three-point shot, allowing him to then just go to the free throw line, tie the game up, send it to overtime, and Iowa at the very end, and I caught it, if you go to my Instagram, it's on there as well as my Twitter, at Ed Easton Jr. I caught the final play for Iowa as the uh, tip-in as time expired in overtime since Iowa to the second round. They didn't stay there long. Villanova made sure of that, but uh, it was exciting. And, and it was funny because as I'm watching it, you know, surrounded by a whole bunch of Temple fans who left disappointed, 
everybody's just, you know, looking at their phones, uh, looking around, looking at the score, because they will show updates about all the different games that are going on. You see the update, you see the update with Syracuse knocking off Dayton. That's an upset. You see, obviously, the big one, um, Middle Tennessee State beating down. They were beating down Michigan State for a good part of that game. It looked close, you know, with the score, but it wasn't really that close from the updates that we were getting in between timeouts. It, 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 the crowd was just moaning like, oh, man, because it's it's who could think that who guesses that? I got to check again, but I believe ESPN was talking about they reported only like five perfect brackets out of millions of brackets. Is that insane or what? I, I, I personally... I didn't have Michigan State winning the whole thing. You know, I, I mentioned this a million times. I'm a North Carolina guy. Not from North Carolina, but I respect the basketball team. I've watched them ever since I was young. I'm talking back to the Chris Webber timeout years. And they were my team, obviously, to win the whole thing. But I had Michigan State in the Final Four. It's interesting to me that Michigan State... All the hype surrounding them, a Tom Izzo team, such prestige. Just get trounced like that. It lets you, it also is a friendly reminder that this is sports, you can't predict it. This is live human emotion, live human effort. You can't predict this stuff. We could try to, we could give assumptions, you know, based off talent and based off like games and such, but you really can't predict it. You know, it's it's one of those things where so many brackets are being ripped up. I know, for keeping it real sports, we have our own bracket challenge we do every year. And usually the winner is Lincoln every year. He always says, oh, you know, he's the, the, the perfect guy. He knows how to pick great brackets, such and such. You know, that type of deal. He chose Michigan State this year. And his reaction is as bad a surprise as everybody else. Them going out first round. That basically killed his entire bracket. His bracket ended on the second day of the NCAA tournament. That has to suck. For him. It's it's just one of those things where, you know, we could talk about the, the, the lines, the betting lines and such. But just nobody in their right mind outside of Middle Tennessee or that area knew anything about this school. We thought it would be an easy 30-point beatdown like it usually is in past years. Not at all. And they weren't the only ones. You had Stephen F. Austin. Yeah, I know. It's Stephen F. Austin. They went into Brooklyn that night and just trounced West Virginia. I mean, they had every all the momentum. The crowd was behind them. They traveled very well, their fans. It, it was to the point that they asked... Stone Cold Steve Austin to stop by for the game. And Stephen F. Austin almost won yesterday. Let's not forget about that also. They, they may have came up short, but they were this close to pulling out a win. We said at the beginning of this, this whole tournament that it was going to be up in the air. There was no clear-cut favorite. It's safe to say that that's held true. I mean, my Tar Heels did take care of the first two opponents they faced. Duke is really going back in the form, even though they, they had a game against Yale. How about Yale? The Ivy League school knocking off the higher seed. 
they knocked off Baylor. And the interesting thing is, you know, with Baylor, they they really didn't know, you know, what they were expecting when, he, when you face a team like Yale. Obviously, they just there is no postseason tournament. You have to win the regular season to make it in the Ivy League. I find it to be very probably a little bit hilarious the fact that uh a team with such high regard as as uh as uh, Baylor going in a lot of people felt like Baylor would be a sweet 16 team they were easily taken care of by Yale this wasn't really a close game at all but you know what when you look at when you look at the situation and what happened in regards to not having certain teams doing scouting reports on like if this team is good if they're not good you, you really don't do a scouting report on a team like Yale and this isn't taking anything away from the program but you figure an Ivy League team didn't play in their you know conference tournament they don't have a conference tournament you guys are the class of your conference you feel like you come in with a little bit of an ego a little bit of a okay let's get rid of these guys let's let's get it done you know If this wasn't the case. Now, it's funny because, you know, we had some uh, pretty great, I think probably the best answer to any reporter question that I've ever heard. And it's it's one of those things where, you know how reporters, we, we always ask questions in terms of, oh, yeah, like, let's try to get under the guy's skin. Let's try to see, you know, if he'll give us a weird answer, especially after a loss. But uh, Tareen Prince, he is one of the uh, players for Baylor, one of the star players for Baylor. After the 79 and 75 loss, this is on Thursday, he got to speak with the media. And he was asked about rebounding and how was Yale able to out-rebound Baylor. You know, just that type of question. And usually when you get questions like this, some of the athletes, they always go, oh, well, they have more effort than us. They, they just boxed out better, that type of thing. He gave... The most scientific answer regarding that, and it's it's just really hilarious, and I have to play it. So we're gonna check this out. This is Torian Prince from this past uh, Thursday giving his answer to how Yale out rebounded Baylor. How do they yeah. have they I mean, have you, more rebounds? You, you said he out rebounded. I was surprised. You did. Thirty six, thirty two. How so, does Yale out rebound Baylor? Um, you go up and grab the ball off the rim when it comes off, and then you grab it with two hands. And you come down with it, and that's considered a rebound. So they got more of those than we did. Any more questions for the student athletes? Is that great or what? <laughs> you basically had the guy just come out and, you know, he broke down what a rebound was. It wasn't, it, it, people said it came off as disrespectful. I don't think it was disrespectful. I just thought it was very, it, it was funny, but it was very to the point. It was basically letting you know. This is how this is how they beat us. You know, we're gonna give you a scientific answer. You want to give us a, a question that's kind of like common sense? Let me give you a common sense answer. I loved it. That to me was just hilarious. And that's really how it should be. You're gonna ask those questions, you're gonna get those answers. It's pretty fair. So I'm pretty much a big fan 
of answers like that, you know, just, you know, sticking it back to him because he wasn't trying to be disrespectful. He was just, you know, you, you ask me a question like that, I'm going to answer it. I thought it was hilarious. Great stuff. I'm going to have more sights and sounds from the beginning of the tournament. But uh, once again, I'm going to take your calls. Number is 516-900-2278. Once again, that number is 516-900-2278. Going to get into a little bit of music. You're listening to Sports Social, Soundcast FM. Too hot to handle, too cold to hold. They call the Ghostbusters and the end control. Had a throwing party for a bunch of children. Well, all the while, the sound was under the building. So they packed up and grew, got a grip, came equipped, grabbed a proton pack from the back, then they split. Flat out of our beagle, the master of evil. Try to battle my boys? That's not legal. Thank you. 
Little Bobby Brown for your Monday afternoon. This is Sports Social with Ed Easton. Soundcast FM. Once again, numbers 516-900-2278. We're still talking about the NCAA tournament and just all the different like upsets that have been happening. It's been great. Like I told you, it just besides your bracket being busted, I understand that sucks. You know, nobody likes their bracket being busted. And probably all the money you, you'll lose, but this is the the type of year where you just want to sit back as a sports fan. And I said this in the beginning of the show last week. If you're not an NCAA basketball fan, this is the time to really get involved and just follow. This is the best time of the year. The NBA takes second place with when it comes to um, college basketball. Let's be honest. In March? Are you kidding me? We did have a huge uh, NBA matchup, but we're going to get to that a little bit later. But this is the time if just a fan of basketball, you have to appreciate what's going on in the college ranks. I mean, you're talking about some of the, 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 the best parts about it is they're playing so hard. You're seeing all these close finishes. I remember they're not getting like they're not getting paid big money for this. They're not getting paid any money, I should say, for this. You got guys in the NBA making millions and millions of dollars playing for, you know, they won't play unless they have this amount of money and and so and so. And I get that. It's the professional ranks. But isn't it interesting when it's basketball in its purest form? They're playing for pride. They're playing for school pride. Of course, you know, a good 60 of them for draft stock. But let's be honest, a lot of it's school pride. You got guys from Stephen F. Austin that their four years playing in college will be it for them. Some may do overseas, some may do the uh, D-League, but a lot of them, this is it. This is why you see the Wichita States, and they're there every year, because they play be like this is their last game they'll ever play professionally again. And mind you, it's not professionally, but at this type of platform. All the energy would be in to this, this. This is their NBA Finals. This is their, their shining moment, as they love to say. So you get these great matchups, these these great comebacks. And that's what it's all about. The school pride. You're going to have the Ben Simmons of the world. You're going to have the Kentuckys who ironically got knocked out in the round of 32, second round. You're always going to have that. That's the way things go. But you know what? I've been talking so much about... Just how, you know, you have to have this type of balance when they talk about academics and athletics. I just want to point out some things. Obviously, Yale is Yale. It's Ivy League. Number one priority are the academics. But you saw the show they put on in defeating Baylor. Taking Duke to the limit. It can be done. Both things can happen. You can't always assume that just because, you know, the, there's these great basketball players, they can't be academic scholars as well, and vice versa. I feel like that's so important regarding just what we talk about in the culture and saying that, okay, you're an athlete. Do, just do athletic things. Don't worry about the academics as secondary. Take basket weaving 101 or take a nap class. Do whatever you can just to be eligible. 
I like seeing the schools where these players have to play four years. They have to get their degree in order to really be out there. I like it. Is this going to continue happening? Of course not. But isn't it, it hasn't been so long since you've had that like that Tim Duncan player that went four years and is still playing in the NBA now, multiple time champion, future Hall of Famer, first ballot Hall of Famer. It's been so long, I'm telling you. You have plenty of opportunity out there and I I just look at it as if you're athletically gifted, use that as a stepping stone, as an opportunity to give you like the scholarship to get into college that you couldn't afford on your own. It helps you, helps your family. Take advantage of it. Don't just think automatically the money's going to be there, the NBA is going to be there. It doesn't always have to work that way. A lot of these guys are leaving with bachelor degrees and opportunities to work other places just in case their dream doesn't come true. Interesting, interesting thought, you know? But hey, that's that's really what it's all about. Finding the balance. I'm going to get off my soapbox a little bit. Because I do want to play some of the sights and sound. Well, not sights. You can't really see it yet. But the sounds from some of the action from Saturday for March Madness, the second round, which is just as crazy. And uh, I just really want you guys to hear this. This is from NCAA. They uh, feed this out, and it's some great stuff, so uh, check it out. Welcome to the big dance, the NCAA tournament, the round of 32. The start of the second round of the men's basketball championship. Wichita State taking off the Miami Hurricanes. 12th seeded Little Rock battles number four, Iowa State. The Yale Bulldogs taking on the Duke Blue Devils. Never seen a round of 32 <laughs> matchup, though. Quite the marquee we have in this one. Indiana and Kentucky for the Sweet 16, and here we go. Fires it inside to Bryant, who flushes it home. Bryant got the hook. Cradles it, puts it off the glass, oh, and in. The big fellow with a little kiss. Indiana knocks out Kentucky to move on to the Sweet 16. Angel Rodriguez, quick start. Oh, off the window! Rodriguez with the floater. Rodriguez, yes, a three! Miami is moving on. We don't play to prove people wrong. We play to prove ourselves right. George Niang has been spectacular in this game. Niang, oh, what a move by George Niang! The Cyclones are moving on to the Sweet 16. This is really like a pride thing to show people that we are really real. People always believe in miracles during this time. Did you guys think when Yale was down 27, we'd have a two-possession game? And they don't believe that they're ever out of it. Four-point game, a minute to play. What that produces is miracles. Yale put a scare into Duke, but the Blue Devils take care of business. It's called survive in advance for a reason. The road to the Final Four continues, a spot in the Sweet 16 on the line. Butler Bulldogs take on the Virginia Cavaliers. Gonzaga takes on Utah. The Providence Friars play the North Carolina Tar Heels. Another banner matchup. UConn and Kansas about to collide. Adams take it all oh, away. Oh, and Traylor, oh. it's clean. Graham top of the key. Oh, that's a big one. Oh, good night. But in the end, the Jayhawks just too much. What a move there by Johnson. Page a triple. Got oh. it. Page has taken over the game. 
Another sweet 16 for Roy Williams. Butler will not lose. You're going to have to beat him. Gill, gyrating, leaning, got it! What a shot! Rentis with eight, with a great spin move to the rack. The Cavaliers are going to the sweet 16. Wilcher, deep three. Book it! The Zags going nuts. This Gonzaga team is a very dangerous team. You can never count out Gonzaga in the month of March. back sports social now once again when you hear those moments it's just the energy the energy that was basically being you know put out there by all the teams and I just want to want a personal note put out the the very big the big shout out to Marcus Page who had a great game took care of business on Saturday I have a nice little uh, agreement with two guys from Keep It A Real Sports, Lincoln and, and Stan, in regards to Marcus Page if he gets drafted. The funny thing is, I say Marcus Page gets drafted. They say he's there's no way he's a draft pick. I'm really interested to see what happens. So, it's going to be interesting to see how these guys all, you know, I don't know what's the word. I want to say egg on your face or look kind of silly in regards to what's going to happen. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to break down the actual terms, but I do say watch social media and you'll see what these guys do because I will retweet it once Marcus Page is drafted into the NBA because he is an NBA caliber point guard. Calling it right now. I want to make sure it's on record. I want to make sure it's well heard and understood. That when we're talking about the NBA draft for this year, Marcus Page. Marcus Page is a guy you're discussing. Once again, that number, 516-900-2278. Share your opinions of what's going on in college basketball. Now, once again, I told you that was Saturday's March Madness and all the craziness that happened there. Let's talk about what happened on Sunday. Because we definitely had a crazy one yesterday, I should say. And let's, let's really get into that. Let's talk about how crazy Sunday truly was. To make this tournament. I'm just done answering the questions about getting past the second weekend. Do what we did and the time we were here is extremely special. Something to hold on to for forever. Just an amazing game. Uh, this is this is what March is about. I hope people understand just how much if you believe you can do something special. Ten seconds and the Irish trail by one. Jackson off the glass. August. No. Tip. Oh. Yes. Notre Dame wins it. Fluger's tip went in. His only basket with 1.5 left. Are you freaking kidding me? That was unbelievable. Sumner 
Wants to take Hayes, Sumner up and under, and it goes! Sumner gives him a three-point lead. Clock rocks and Koenig ties it up! Two to go, Koenig's got it, rises up, the shot, and it's good! It's good! Wisconsin has won it! I knew I wanted the ball, and I just let it fly, and I knew it was going in before Ford even left my hand, because that's a shot I practiced quite a bit. I can't really explain the feeling after I hit it. There's a lot of excitement. It'll go down as one of the great shots in Wisconsin basketball history. It goes into March Madness lore. Desperation time for the Aggies. SEC's not going to have a team in the Sweet 16. Jesperson throws it in. Jones dunks it down. And can the Aggies pull off a miracle in Oklahoma City? House tries the three and drills it. The Aggies within three. Washman trapped in the corner. Throws it into the hands of the Aggies. Gilder lays it in. Tie game 71. 1.9 seconds left. A 14-2 run in 31 seconds. We go to overtime. 10 seconds. Caruso takes it. Ties it at 83 with 5.9. And now into double overtime. House takes it and makes it again. Four-point game. The Aggie season was over with 44 seconds left in regulation, and now they're on to the Sweet 16 in Anaheim. Craziest game I've been a part of. I'm just still lost of words. Uh, I'm, I'm still just shocked. We should, we should be moving on. We were 30 seconds away from getting one step closer to our uh, to our goals. Sure, it's going to hurt a little bit more in the morning, even knowing that we're not uh, playing next week. We were built for this. Even when we were down and out and thought it was over, we kept fighting to the end. I'm just happy that we came out with the victory. And that was just some of the craziness that happened yesterday. And You know, it's funny, it's, it's funny when you hear like the Northern Iowa guys, they were talking at the end. I was a little frustrated. Even though I never had Northern Iowa make it out the first round, I was a little annoyed. I was annoyed at the fact that you have such a lead. I mean, you're talking about under a minute to go. You're up by eight points at least, and you can't put a team to, you can't put a team away. It doesn't matter where you're seated. That's basketball 101. They were sloppy. Uh, it shouldn't have gone to two overtimes. They blew the game. Bottom line. And this is where the whole, you know, where these guys ready for prime time stuff start to circle around. Hey, you know, I have to ask the question too. Were they ready? Because they looked extremely shaky. And mind you, they did win on a last second heave from half court. For their first round matchup. So a lot of that goes into it. It's just interesting to me that you have that bigger lead. You know, how do you, as a coach, you got to be able to get your team to settle down. You know, make the right pass. Make your free throw. It's discipline. That's basic discipline. Now, on the other hand, you talk about another game which came down to the final shot, Wisconsin versus Xavier. What a crazy shot by that guy. I mean, you're talking about falling on the on the baseline, falling almost out of bounds. Hits the game-winning shot. Crushes the hopes and dreams of Xavier. And one comedian in particular. 
Bill Murray. I mean, I don't know if you guys saw the Bill Murray, his expression as it as it. I didn't know you such a proud, you know, Xavier fan. He didn't take it well. There are some rumors that he may be the new Jordan face. Everybody that's on Twitter and Instagram, Michael Jordan face, you know, him crying from his induction into the Hall of Fame has become the iconic way of saying, you know, acknowledging somebody taking a loss. They basically put on any athlete's face, any, you know, artist, any person of some type of social stature, just attaching it to them. And that's, that's interesting to me. Could Bill Murray be the next, the next face? I mean, it was pretty, uh, it was pretty out there. I don't know. I mean, I played Ghostbusters earlier. Maybe it's a sign. There's a new Ghostbusters movie coming out. Who knows, Bill Murray's making a comeback. Via the, uh, sad face. Whatever that means. Once again, that number is 516-900-2278. If you have thoughts, is Bill Murray the new sad face? You know, can we really, can we put Bill Murray in that category? And you know, I didn't even know this, that Bill Murray's son was an assistant coach, is an assistant coach at Xavier. That's interesting. Wow, Bill Murray's assistant. I didn't. That actually makes a lot more sense now. I had no idea. So I guess now they should have a sad face for him and his son. Wouldn't that be great? I mean, let's be honest. The sad face with Michael Jordan is gonna stay around forever. It's so. It's just so perfect, considering like. There are so many athletes and entertainers out there that do something that just gets you, that 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 makes them look foolish to the point that they take an L. That's what they keep saying, like, this person took an L. The Jordan sad face is put on him. I laugh every single time. I, I They always say the internet is undefeated. That is a clear example of it being undefeated. But you know what? That's what it's all about. Staying undefeated. Winning this tournament. Going all the way to Houston for the Final Four. I don't know how many teams are actually going to be able to do it. But we'll see. We will definitely see. Now, one of the things that I do want to bring up, because I do want to get this all out of the way for college basketball, because I do want to move on to the NBA. Now, we're down to the Sweet 16. There are going to be some interesting matchups. One of the matchups that I'm already looking forward to because I'm a North Carolina fan is North Carolina versus Indiana. Everybody knows Indiana got knocked off earlier in their conference tournament against Michigan. 
Indiana's a very good team. Seeing the matchup with North Carolina, we're gonna find out how good North Carolina is as well as Indiana. And this to me could be the matchup of the tournament in terms of like who's like a nice spicy matchup to see. I'm just really curious to see how will Roy Williams get his team up for this. A lot of people are, are gonna be taking Indiana because they're like, I guess you could say they're hot right now after beating Kentucky. Kentucky was a, is a very good team. Probably deserved higher than a four seed, but see what happens. Kind of funny that the, the teams that always thought they deserved better are the ones out right now. Very, very interesting. Also, when you talk about the, the Sweet 16 and how all these different teams are in there, like Duke, everybody had Duke basically left for dead. I had him left for dead. I, I didn't see them being much of a player. Now with all these upsets, all these top seeds dropping, minus number one seeds, all the number one seeds advanced to the Sweet 16 for the first time since um, 2012. Which is definitely something to be noted. I I can see Duke making some noise, and, and I'm saying it's very shaky. I don't want to give Duke a lot of confidence going into the Sweet 16, but I can see them making some noise. As to how they're going to do it, I I really don't know. I don't know. I think Grayson is starting to come on as the new Christian Laner. Had a great game against Yale. Gotta give the guy credit. As much as I don't like him already, gotta give him credit. Had a great game. Yale didn't know what to do with him. But hey, that's the way it goes. All I know is whoever faces Duke, just be ready. You're going against not just their players, but Coach K, the best coach I feel like in the tournament period. And mind you, I'm a North Carolina fan. I just got to say, he's the best coach. There's no questioning that. Gonna take a break. When I come back, definitely gonna talk some NBA. I, I have to really get into that, that mega matchup. The game of the century, people were saying. Game of the century already. We're going to talk a little San Antonio Spurs, Golden State Warriors. This is Sports Social. I'm Ed Easton. We'll be right back. Here comes a brother with glow, a snuggling 
Sports Social here on Soundcast FM. Once again, that number is 516-900-2278. It's funny because I was just thinking it over now. The NBA playoffs is only but a few weeks away. This is when we're going to get the real, the real players. The real contenders, if you say so, you know. Still a lot to figure out in the bottom of each conference. That number eight seed, that number seven seed on both conferences, pretty much up in the air. Ironically, also up in the air is the top seed for both conferences. The Eastern Conference, in regards to the Cleveland Cavaliers, they've been uh, sputtering a little bit. I mean, Miami this past Saturday, I had to be the undercard. If you're if you're making the Spurs and the Warriors the main event. The undercard has to be Miami and Cleveland. 
in the game. Dwayne Wade gets his 20,000th point. Of course, it's always fun when LeBron returns to Miami, not on his off days, but to actually play a game. It's also interesting to note for the Miami Heat, they've been on such a roll without Chris Bosh, who they hope to get back in a full capacity, I should say. White, you know, Whiteside's been good, but Joe Johnson. It sounds we say Joe Johnson is the difference for Miami. Slow Joe, as he was called, you know, most of the time while he was with the Brooklyn Nets, is the difference maker for the Miami Heat. I'm still trying to settle that in for me. I, I can't really believe the fact that Joe Johnson is a difference maker. I mean, it's it's interesting because Luol Deng has started playing a lot better. I was reading that he's actually doing better since the All-Star break than Kevin Love. Kevin Love has been having his struggles. Now, I have different views on why Kevin Love is struggling. But if I want to take it all the way back and be petty, I, I feel like you should have never came back to Cleveland. The guy's a great player, but you're going to get smothered when you're, you're playing with LeBron, you're playing with Kyrie. And I think he's starting to feel the effects of it now. He's averaging like 15 and 8 since the All-Star break. Not bad numbers for regular players, but you're supposed to be a superstar caliber player. You're Kevin Love. You're in commercials with uh, Damian Lillard as the baby doing the Hoopers family. 15 and 8 ain't going to cut it. And I see like his decline, if you want to call it that. Partial and because Kyrie Irving is form is getting back in the form. But he needs to take some shots. He needs to have the ball in his hands. LeBron always needs to have the ball in his hands. They picked up Channing Frye. They seem to like Channing Frye a lot. He plays a lot of the time that uh, Kevin Love is not there. They do similar things. Obviously, Kevin Love is a better version. They've been talking forever about Kevin Love. Just go to Boston. That was the move for you. I would have to agree. I feel like Kevin Love has been such a better player with the Boston Celtics. It's his speed. I just feel like you got a team, and let's let's take all the race reasons that everybody says. Oh, Larry Bird, and no, let's let's not do that. Okay. You look at that team, they have Isaiah Thomas, they got Avery Bradley, they got these guards that, you know, are tough. Up front, they have, you know, the Sullinger, the, the Crowder, they, they got these players that are also tough. But they don't really have that guy that can stretch, you know, and I see the players they got, it's 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 just not enough, you know. Olenek is a good player, but he's not the guy up front, he's just not. A guy like Kevin Love stretches the defense. You can do a lot of things with him with Isaiah Thomas. If he's in Boston in his prime, he's going to have better career years, in my opinion, than he would with Minnesota. And some people will probably debate me on that. But I truly believe that if you have a guy like Kevin Love can stretch the defense out, hit the three-point shot, 
can still grab about 10 plus rebounds a game. Got yourself a pretty good, pretty good situation there in Boston. When in Cleveland, it's so cluttered. You got LeBron who wants to do everything a little bit. You know, he wants to grab rebounds, wants to, you know, assist. He wants to be the point guard. He wants to be the power forward. He wants to be the shooting guard. He wants to be a small forward. LeBron wants to play every position on the court and everybody else just fall on the line into what he's doing. Granted, if you're the best player on the team, it has to work that way. But if you're a guy like Kevin Love, where it's just not going to fit. And then, you know, we were hearing the rumors about Kyrie not being happy there. Kyrie dispelled those rumors very quickly. It's, it's, it's interesting because I look at Kevin Love. And I don't know who his management is. I don't, I don't know who manages Kevin Love. I, I, I just, I would have to. I would have to think they have to be talking to that. There's, there's got to be some type of communication saying, like, listen, man, you're a great player. This is just not the fit. And I'm not talking about just because they changed coaches when they didn't need to or or LeBron being, you know, so demanding. I'm just talking, like, in terms of the talent. They're talented players, but they, they're only certain dimensions. Amon Shumpert is a one-dimensional player, really. And he's not even that great at that dimension anymore. He's a defensive player. J.R. Smith, one-dimensional player. He comes in, he gets hot, he's a scorer. That's it. You put those players around LeBron and Kyrie, that's a good team. Channing Frye is going to be out there. He'll hit a couple of threes. But if you're Kevin Love, you're like, I could do more than just wait outside and shoot threes. I could grab rebounds. I could probably, you know, run the offense through me. I can't play the Chris Bosh role. I just can't do it. But this is something that I have to think that Kevin Love's management is really discussing. Boston, why not, right? Anyway. Cleveland's in a bit of a dogfight. They got Toronto on their heels. Toronto's a is a good team. The question has always been with them, can they stay healthy for playoff time? Can they be ready for playoff time? Because now we, there's no more excuses. There is no more this is a young team. Or, you know, uh, Lowry's hurt. Everybody seems to be healthy. You have experience, even though you lost both years. Get the job done. You have Toronto. Everybody in Canada it is Canada's team. There is no other team in Canada. Get the job done. But like I said, that's between the Raptors and the Cavaliers. But let's move on to the main event. The one that everybody was tuning in for if you weren't watching college basketball. The, you know, the, uh, they're calling it the ABC Saturday Night Primetime Showcase. NBA basketball on Saturday night. Who would have thought that would work? Anyway, this version of it you had the San Antonio Spurs, Golden State Warriors. The San Antonio Spurs reminded everybody of why they are the San Antonio Spurs. They play together so well as a team. Kawhi Leonard. And I've had this debate with so many people. Top three player in the NBA. Shouldn't be, it shouldn't even be a conversation at this point. Yes, Russell Westbrook's a great player. Yes, Kevin Durant's a great player. 
Kawhi Leonard shines on the best team in the NBA. I know you probably say, no way, Steph Curry because of the record. They're only three games back of a team that they only, all they've talked about with Golden State is the record with the Bulls. The record with the Bulls. They're going to beat the Bulls record. They're only three games up. They're only three games up in the conference, in, in the whole NBA. San Antonio has 10 losses, people. A quiet 10 losses, mind you. Nobody seems to want to talk about them, but I'm going to be the one that's talking about them. I'm sorry. I'm talking about the San Antonio Spurs. I'm talking about the way they handled business against the Golden State team. They put Steph Curry in check. And I don't think anybody can question me on that. They, they, they just did. They put him in check. And I look at the different matchups that were going on in that game with Kawhi Leonard and, and you know you got LaMarcus Aldridge, Tim Duncan, Tony Parker, Manu Ginobili and then you look at the lineup of Golden State the star-studded backcourt with Steph Curry, Klay Thompson they struggled they seriously struggled man like there's no other way to, to put it in the words. I was watching just the different things like Draymond Green. They made him uncomfortable. They were physical. They made Steph Curry shots, which we were in love with. We were just in awe with. Like, he's a video game. How is he doing this? And we saw some of the shots. And I even saw on Twitter, a couple people were like, hey, this is a, a dumb shot there. A pretty dumb shot. Now the critics are starting to, to pick apart. When you when you lose in like a big heavyweight match like that was, you start to question little things now. Is Steve Kerr coaching correctly? That's why I've been hearing that now. I only have seven losses, but now we're starting to question if Steve Kerr is coaching the Golden State Warriors correctly. Still on the verge of breaking the Bulls record. The Judd Bushler Bull of 1996. You know, I laugh because I think that Steve Kerr has done a great job with Golden State. Of course, this is Mark Jackson's team. We can say that, but Mark Jackson didn't pull the right strings. Let's, let's call it what it is. Steve Kerr has been faced with a bit of an obstacle, never coached before, you know, was calling games with Marv Albert, was a general manager with the Phoenix Suns for a number of years. Played for, you know, for a couple of championships with the Bulls as well as the Spurs. But the guy is a good mind. He is being challenged, however, when he's in a situation going against, I think, the best coaching mind in the NBA in Greg Popovich. That's a challenge in itself. I can't really, you know, I can't really fault him and say, oh, okay, well, Steve Kerr is not as good as this, blah, blah, blah. He's pretty, he's pretty much better than a lot of coaches in the NBA right now. But nobody's better than Pop. No one. It showed on Saturday. The different moves that were made 
the adjustments, how he rests his players, how players are just put in position to succeed by giving up their own individual, you know, accolades. LaMarcus Aldridge, he's averaging a good five points below his, his regular career average. But do you hear him complain? Tony Parker at one point was the best player on the San Antonio Spurs. Now he's possibly a fourth option. Tim Duncan, still very serviceable at his age. Had no problem taking the David Robinson role. If anybody that doesn't understand what I'm saying, I'm talking about back in 1999. The strikeout, the strike, or what do they call it, the lockout shortened NBA season when the Knicks took on the San Antonio Spurs in the NBA Finals. That whole year leading up through the playoffs into the finals, it was Tim Duncan's team, even though David Robinson was the franchise for so many years. David Robinson was okay. He was okay with taking a step back and being that guy that grabs the rebounds, offensive putbacks, sets screens, not being a featured player. The Twin Towers they were called back then. That's an interesting thought. The fact that we are actually seeing how a team is actually playing like a team. Because no other team seems to figure this out. The other 29 NBA teams all just have that one mentality of, oh, superstar, superstar, superstar. That's who I'm passing to. That's who gets the ball, the superstar. All the Spurs do is reload around them. Usually it's the same role players that have been there for like 10 years. Boris Diaw still there. They'll add in a guy like Patty Mills. They just picked up Andre Miller, Kevin Martin, Danny Green. And they play a role. That's really all it is. They play a role. They got the Ginobili. Ginobili still, still at this age, a great sixth man. And that's why I, I picked the Spurs over the Warriors last week, and I'll continue to pick them going forward. Now, Lincoln brought up last week when he called about David West and using less David West and going small. He was right. It worked. They went small. And it really affected the way Golden State did their switching. They didn't have that advantage of being that team that can, you know, just run around, have Draymond Green at the four. You got a guy like Kawhi Leonard who could play so many different positions very well outside of center. Quiet, just a silent assassin. It was too much for Golden State. I do say this, I am looking forward to that conference finals matchup. I'm already calling it. I feel like both teams are better than Oklahoma City. They're better than the Clippers. I'm looking forward to Golden State, San Antonio for seven games. And I do believe San Antonio wins in Golden State. I just think they have that experience 
They just know how to win. It's such a um, a lost art, in my opinion, just just knowing how to play within an offense and having discipline. Such a lost art. But it's okay. This is basically what the NBA is nowadays. We're gonna do is take a break. Once again, that number is 516-900-2278. You can at me on Instagram, on Twitter at Ed Easton Jr. This is Sports Social. I'll be right back. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I take a look at my life and realize there's nothing left Cause I've been blasting and laughing so long That even my mama thinks that my mind is gone But I ain't never crossed a man that didn't deserve it Me be treated like a punk, you know that's unheard of You better watch how you're talking and where you're walking Or you and your homies might be lying in chalk I really hate the trip, but I gotta low as they croak, I see myself in the pistol smoke, fool. I'm the kind of cheater little homies want to be like on my knees in the night, saying prayers in the street light. Situation they got me facing. I can't live a normal life. I was raised by the state, so I gotta be down with the hood team. Too much television watching got me chasing dreams. I'm an educated fool with money on my mind. Got my tin in my hand and a gleam in my eye. I'm a loped out gangster, set tripping banker. And my homies is down, so don't arouse my anger. Fool, death ain't nothing but a heartbeat away. I'm living life through a dire. What can I say? I'm 23 now, but will I live to see 24? The way things are going, I don't know. After minute, hour after hour, everybody's running, but half of them ain't looking. It's going on in the kitchen, but I don't know what's cooking. They say I got to learn, but nobody's here to teach me. If they can't understand it, how can they reach me? I guess they can't, I guess they won't, I guess they front. That's why I know my life is out of luck, fool.
right, we're back. Sports Social here on Soundcast FM. It's it's you know I, I look I gotta play Gangsta Paradise. That's a classic. Gotta play that. That's a classic right there. Coolio, where's Coolio right now? I, I heard he had a, I heard he had a like a um a, a cooking show or something. I don't know if that's true or not, but uh you know we want to we need some more Coolio back in the world. How about that? Let's get Gangsta Paradise Part Two. But I heard he actually had an album of, of like Gangsta's Paradise, you know, like remixes and such. And I, I gotta find one of those when they play it. That's that's one of those songs that just will never get old. Once again, the number is five one six nine zero zero two two seven eight. Here's another thing that I thought was a pretty uh, interesting sports topic over the weekend. Well, actually, NBA topic still. NBA slash gossip. How about that? Matt Barnes, we all know he has a situation with Derek Fisher, the former coach of the New York Knicks. Apparently, the guy, Derek Fisher, likes to go after people's wives. And, well, some pictures made it online of Derek Fisher openly with open a lot of PDA, if, you know, if you want to use that word. A lot of PDA with uh, Matt Barnes, still wife, Gloria Govan. Now, if you don't know who she is, she's from Basketball Wives, L.A. Well, I think she used to be on it, but she's not on it anymore. And they, you know, they documented basically her and uh and Matt Barnes' relationship as he, you know, moved around the league and she was the basketball wife trying to get her own career and such. Well, apparently, they started dating. Her and Derek Fisher secretly were dating, and they had this whole fight that happened when uh, Matt Barnes raced all the way from training camp at the beginning of the season to his home to find the then Knicks head coach with his wife and they had an altercation or a beatdown whatever you want to call it we don't know the true facts behind it that all went down so like I was saying some pictures you know with the PDA and everything came out and it was it was definitely big. I mean, they had Fisher, you know, kissing, and they, Fisher and her were kissing, and she was riding on his back, you know, walking down the park. Like they were just like they were the married couple. It looked like. So Fisher obviously is just out there with it. He was also at the uh, Little Rock tournament game. I don't know if he was the the help there in their uh, one win. But uh, Matt Barnes obviously. Is gonna be very salty regarding the situation, and he played in a game recently this past weekend against the Bucks. Him and John Henson, the uh, former North Carolina Tar Heel, who plays for the Milwaukee Bucks, got into it, and uh, it appeared that Matt Barnes couldn't let it go. I don't know if he was taking his frustration out. You know, for everything that's been going on. But I'm going to let you guys take a quick listen to that, to what happened. This was the uh, Grizzlies and Bucks, the uh, John Henson, Matt Barnes altercation that involved them both of them getting ejected. Well, definitely Matt Barnes getting ejected and chasing John Henson down the tunnel. Take that. 
And I'll meet you in the locker room after the game. Federal agents. <laughs> Man, because I'm flagrant. Man, because I'm flagrant. Come on, Matt Barnes. And look at Daddy Longley. Listen to the crowd on Jim and John night. This is the Jim and John night to remember. That's right. Look at him. He takes his jersey off, flips it to a crowd, and now he'll go back and put some Vaseline on, <laughs> tape up his hands, and get ready. Get the mouthpiece in. Get greased up. All started with the flagrant on John Henson. How about Jason Kidd? Just watching. Yeah. He's finding some things out yeah. while watching yeah. this. Well, I, I don't think he minds it one bit. I mean, just uh, this is, you know, you don't want to see this kind of a situation every night with your guys, but this is a Memphis situation. Where now Barnes heads into the locker room. He'll go looking for him. The whole security is back there. And he is heading straight to the Greg Foster Milwaukee Bucks Greg locker room. Hot pursuit. And this is where you need law enforcement. About coaches. Let's get some security. Let's get some policemen. All right, that was Matt Barnes, and and you know what? Everybody was wondering what happened to Gus Johnson, and you know him obviously being he was a broadcaster for the Knicks and for a long time for the uh, for the for the NCAA tournament for CBS. He's actually the uh, full-time head uh, announcer for the play-by-play -play man for the Milwaukee Bucks as he was giving his insight on the whole situation, and he kind of hyped it up a little bit, as uh, Gus Johnson always seems to do. It's kind of a funny thing, and, you know, check out the videos. It's somewhere on YouTube or NBA.com. They had to get security back there to make sure Matt Barnes didn't fight John Henson. It's it's incredible. Barnes getting a one-game suspension in the process. But hey, you know, it's love. Love can make you do crazy things. I don't know if it was just that or he really wanted to fight John Henson over a hard foul. These are, these are the things, you know. Um... Matt Barnes, we, we wish you the best here. Everybody here at Sports Social and Keep It A Real Sports. We hope that you get it together. It's a very stressful situation, man. But, uh, you know, I, you know, it's actually got me thinking. Since we're talking about it, I would love to hear other people's opinions on this situation. If that was your ex... No matter what it is, and you know, you you guys either had, you know, finished business, unfinished business, whatever. In their routes, on Instagram, on Twitter, just basically putting their business out there, throwing it, shoving it in your face. Is that how you're going to react when you go to work? I mean, these are the things you got to think about. You want to share your thoughts? The number is 516-900-2278. And when I come back, I'm going to actually discuss another situation that deals with family. Happening in Major League Baseball. It's become a big story, seemingly out of nowhere. The Chicago White Sox versus Adam LaRoche. All about kids, 
all about families, just a whole lot of drama. Let's play some feel-good music. This is Sports Social with Ed Easton. We'll be right back. This is how we do And we're making the dash Oh, I'm buzzing for Back here, Sports Social, Soundcast FM. This is Sports Social with Ed Easton. Now, I've heard some very interesting stories 
throughout sports, you know, like different disputes between players and management. This one that I'm about to bring up, and I'm I'm hoping you guys may have heard this. Some of you may not have, but um, it's a dispute between a team and a player, like I said, over a player's son being allowed in the dugout and in the locker room and traveling with the team. If you haven't heard about this, Adam LaRoche is a uh, player for the for Chicago White Sox. His son, Drake, has been with the team, you know, the last couple of years. He's 14 years old. And apparently, he is no longer allowed to be with the team. Now, first of all, I didn't, this is the first time I'm hearing about this, the fact that a 14-year-old kid, a son of a player, was actually with the team, traveling with them, you know, uh, in the dugout. I never even realized this until this story came up, but the White Sox don't want it anymore. And it's it, it's really, I thought it was gonna be one of those, it, was, it sounded so obscure that I needed to get more information on it. But what took it to another level is, about a day after that ruling came down, that they didn't want any kids, you know, in the uh, dugout, in the workplace, that type of thing. Adam LaRoche said that he'll retire. He announced his retirement because his 14-year-old son couldn't spend time with his father in the workplace. I, I, like I said, I don't know what the real reason for why he was in the, he, he's in the locker room, he's in the dugout. Or why is it a, tr a problem now? It's like, it's two different arguments going on here. Because, one, why was he there in the first place to set a precedent? And two, why are you stopping it now? Like, what is the, the problem with it now? That, to me, is what really needs to be discussed. I mean, I I've never heard of... Well, I mean, we've had we've we have heard of this situation in regards to players being, you know, players having their kids in the dugout. But this was like I thought outlawed years ago. I remember Dusty Baker's son in the World Series, I believe, was uh, almost ran over at home plate if it wasn't for J.T. Snow for uh, grabbing him and pulling him out of the way. This is like it's it's weird stuff. I mean. This guy says he'll retire because of the situation. I, I don't even know how to really put it for people to understand because I, I don't know their relationship. I don't know what, you know, what's wrong with if he's because he's 14 years old and he's traveling throughout the summer with his dad. I think it's great that his dad wants to be in his life, but you know, there's, there's got to be a separation. And I would love to go, you know, to my dad's job every day, but can't do that. It's one day, you know, they, they have a special day where they say, like, daddy, son, take your son to work day or such. That's fine. Leave it for that. That's my personal opinion. But with that being said, why is it a problem now if this was happening for the past couple of years? That's the big, uh, that's the big question mark. Just very, very odd 
very hard time. I'm actually, you want to hear a little bit from Chris Sale, who, uh, who had some words in regards to uh, Kenny Williams. He is the uh, general manager, actually White Sox VP. And I definitely want to hear, along with everybody else, how Chris Sale, who was very vocal about it, how he feels. Kenny said quite a few things, uh, contradicting statements a couple times. Um, came to the players, said it was the coaches, went to the coaches, said it was the players. Uh, then came in here and told us that it was the owner. So uh, we're not exactly who it's coming from, where it's where, where it originated from. Um, that's that's why kind of we're still trying to figure out what where it all came from. Now, okay, he's talking about this is Chris Hill. He's a pitcher for the Chicago White Sox. He's definitely uh, backing LaRoche on this and having having his son being available at games. I still feel it's such an it's such an odd odd situation. I mean, you're talking about a kid in the locker room. Kenny Williams obviously is the VP of the White Sox. He's he's going back and forth. He's flip flopping according to Sale. And that's already a bad look if the uh, the VP is flip-flopping on decisions or whether or not this is warranted, should the kid not be allowed there, things like that. And I and I hear Chris Sale, and I, you know he's saying he just doesn't know, he doesn't have any idea. So I'm going to actually go to a clip from CSN Chicago. They actually got a chance to sit down and talk with uh, talk with Kenny Williams regarding LaRoche's son in the locker room. So uh, let's take a quick listen in on it. Be very clear on something that it's not because the young man uh, was a distraction uh, and not because he wasn't uh, well received and well liked by players, management, and everyone else. Uh, you know, he's a quality, quality young young kid. And I think going to one day be a heck of a player, by the way. Anyway, um, you have to. As we as we embarked on this season, in the off season, one of the things that we talked about the most was let's let's ch you know check all the columns with regards to our preparation, with regards to our focus, with, with regards to everything to give ourselves the best chance to win. And um, this is not a problem today, but in in management sometimes you got to make some unpopular decisions. Um, and sometimes they center around, uh, you know, uh, they center around things that you don't necessarily want to do. But in order to maintain consistency, in order to to have an answer for the next person that comes along, that wants to to have his child on the field 100% of the time, and that's kind of where we where we were, was it was 100% of the time every day. And um, so, yeah, I asked, I asked him initially, just, just dial it back. Um, even 50% is probably too much, but there's a, there's a wide range between zero and 50%. So, you know, I was a little surprised at the, at the stance that he took. It's unfortunate. Uh, but, you know, talk about a quality decision, quality life decision, a family decision, when uh, he talks about being 
there for his family and family first. You know, he put um, he put it front and center. So I, I respect and admire that. And that's basically Kenny Williams, right? That's his stance. And you know what? I I get where Kenny's coming from. It's a tough situation to be in. You're basically talking about, you know, you 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 said tell tell the guy scale it back a little bit, fifty percent of the time the kid could be there. I don't think he expected when they he had his open policy about having your children that that LaRoche would take full advantage of it. So that's why they they kind of had to retract a little bit, be like, hey, you know, like sometimes not all the time. And LaRoche took it as, hey, all the time. So he thought a better decision would be to uh, just retire and spend time with his son at 14 years old. It, it's hard to argue against it, right? I mean, it's family. It's a family decision. It's it's just very weird in, in a sense that you would rather pass up $13 million that he's owed this year in order to spend more time with his son. So I, I don't know where he's going to get the money to help. I'm pretty sure you're going to get a couple of endorsements because of this situation because you don't hear this ever. You never hear professional athletes say they want to be closer to their kids. You hear a few, but you don't hear it as as vocal as this, that he's going to pass up $13 million to play the game that he loves. you got to admire it. you got to. I, I've never, you know, you hear so often, honestly, with players having baby mothers and they don't see these kids and then the kids grow up. And, you know, like I, I go back to the, the Fab Five story with, with Jalen Rose talking about he didn't know his father and his father played in the NBA and he switched around his number in not to honor his father but as like a, a you know like a uh, a retaliation tactic in regards to his father not being in his life so it's it's things like that you know It's it's very very interesting. Very interesting stuff. Um I like I said I'm going to take the last call for phone calls number is 516-900-2278. Get into a little bit more music. This actually this song is very uh very fitting. You know what it is. Will Smith, just the two of us. This is Sports Social. I'm Ed Easton. We'll be right back. Doctor placed you in my arms I knew I'd meet death before I let you meet harm Although questions arose in my mind Would I be man enough against wrong Choose right and be standing up From the hospital that first night Took an hour just to get the car seat in right People driving all fast got me kind of upset Got you home safe, placed you in your bassinet That night I don't think one wink I slept As I slipped out my bed to your crib I crap, touched your head gently Felt my heart melt Cause I knew I loved you more than life itself Into my and I beg the Lord, please let me be a good daddy. All he needs love, knowledge, discipline, too. I pledge my life to you. So, just the two of us. We can make it if we try. Uh, just me and you. Just me and you. Just the two of us. Just the two of us. 
time I look at you, I think, man, a little me, just like me. Wait and see, gonna be tall, makes me laugh, cause you got your dad's ears and all. Sometimes I wonder, what you gonna be? A general, a doctor, maybe a MC. I wanna kiss you all the time, but I will test that butt when you cut out a line. True that, uh-uh-uh, why you do that? I try to be a tough dad, but you be making me laugh. Crazy joy, when I see the eyes of my baby boy, I pledge to you, I will always do everything I can. Show you how to be a man, dignity, integrity, honor, and I don't mind if you lose long as you came with it, and you can cry, ain't no shame in it. It didn't work out with me and your mom, but yo, push come to shove, you was conceived in love. So if the world attacks and you slide off track, remember one fact, I got your back. Uh. Just the Just me and you, just me and you Against the world Time job to be a good dad You got so much more stuff than I had I gotta study just to keep with the changing times 101 Dalmatians on your CD rhyme CD I'm trying to pretend I know On my PC where that CD go But yo, ain't nothing promised One day I'll be gone Feel the strife, but trust life does go on But just in case, it's my place to impart One day some girl's gonna break your heart And ooh, ain't no pain like from the opposite sex Gonna hurt bad, but don't take it out on the next Throughout life people will make you mad Disrespect you and treat you bad Let God deal with the things they do Cause hate in your heart will consume you too Always tell the truth, say your prayers Hold doors, pull out chairs, easy on the swears You live and prove that dreams come true I love you and I'm here for you uh. Just the two of us We can make it if we try Just me and you, just me and you Taking the world about that little classic Will Smith just the two of us and you know that just goes back to the whole Adam LaRoche situation I don't know what they're gonna do with that I just think it's it was it would really be tough to pass up 13 million dollars and and I, I get you want to spend time with your you know your son and that's all respectable but hey man you gotta work it out maybe a little plan you know half I don't know tough situation for those guys uh, I do want to leave off on this you know this the 
little things that uh that that go on in regards to sports. I always want to have like the this part of the show to just give up little updates. I actually got an update just recently on my phone, and this is this is actually I agree with this. Uh, Anthony Davis skipping the Olympics, this upcoming Rio Olympics this year. He's been having all these different injury problems, and I think the guy needs to get his body correct. I've never seen a guy in his first couple of years just injured and beat up, and he's been effective. Don't get me wrong. When he's out there, he's very effective, but all those injuries are starting to add up, and I think it will be in his best interest just to get that checked out, just to get that that right type of rest. I mean, it's a lot to deal with. The toll of an NBA season, 82 games, it's not easy. Not a lot of players have done it. There's no badge of honor. There is no, like, uh, AC Green who played, like, all these different games straight. You, you don't see that anymore. So, I, I get, you know, the Olympics. You won a gold medal. Your, um, I believe it was back in 2012. He won the he won the gold medal with the Redeem Team or Dream Team 4 or whatever they, they called them with LeBron and Kobe and such. I think USA Basketball is going to be okay without him for this Olympics. There's going to be enough enough scorers that are going to be out there. I'm curious to see with him taking the summer off, will Carmelo take the summer? Will he even make the team the final cut? I mean, the guy's had so many knee surgeries. Is, is he really considering? Things like that. Anthony Davis, in my opinion, healthy on a good team where he has the right pieces around him. He's yet to have the right pieces around him. Top five. Top five player, easy. I don't think anybody could debate me on that. I know people are going to like, who do you take out? Who do you take out? I don't know. I think I probably, him and Kawhi, go back and forth. Him and Durant, you go back and forth. If you just talk about the intangibles, man, it's it, the stuff he does, rebounds. I, he had a game earlier this year with the 50, I think 50 plus points. Over 20 rebounds. Just a monster game, man. It's hard not to see him being one of the best players of all time if he stays healthy. And, and I think they're doing the right thing. He shut, they're shutting him down for the, regular, for the rest of the season for New Orleans. They're not going anywhere. Alvin Gentry may have to reassess that, that situation, you know. I feel sorry for Monty Williams and obviously what happened with his wife, but I really feel like he should still be the coach for New Orleans. The, the team was just really gelling and making that eighth seed. It was way too soon to give up on him. It was too much of a panic move. Too much of, oh man, we need a, a certain coach of a certain tenure and they just won a, a NBA championship, you know, as an assistant. They tried to think that Steve Kerr, you know, didn't push all those buttons. Steve Kerr pushed a lot of those buttons. Luke Walton came into every game holding a, a, a little paper of plays to call. I'm pretty sure you talk with Steve Kerr every single day. That's why Steve Kerr kept those wins, not Luke Walton. Alvin Gentry is not going to just do what Steve Kerr did. 
But anyway, Team USA is going to be fine. I think it's a smart move for Anthony Davis. Get your body right. Get everything in order. For long season, you want to make sure you're in good working order in order to be effective. There's going to be more Olympics. He's still young. The guy's under 25. He's still very young. 2020 Olympics, he'll be ready. But right now, he has to make sure he's good in 2016. That's really all that matters at this point. I'm hoping that when they do put the team together, there is an emphasis with the guards. I, I hope Damian Lillard makes the team. I think the guy plays with so much heart, so much determination. They have to put Lillard on the team somehow. You're going to have Curry. You're going to have Paul. There's going to be no Kobe. So why not, you know? Make sure Damian Lillard is the... I'm going to start a, a campaign, if I can, for Damian Lillard to make that team. He's earned it. And I just think there would be such a travesty if the guy doesn't make it this time around. You know, but who knows? The way things go in terms of the, the, the choosing and I think this is, you know, Coach K. I don't know if this was his last one or not, but um, I'm hearing Popovich will take over. Team USA has got to stay strong. These teams are not pushovers. Spain every single year. I know the Gasol brothers are getting old and beat up. Still. I just saw a, a message saying Chris Stapp should take Davis' place, and that doesn't make any sense. Why say that? He's going to play for his own country if he's going to play in the Olympics. Let's be honest. He's not playing for America. Gotta be realistic with that one. And who knows? Who really knows? Who really knows if there's gonna be any type of trouble for America? I don't I don't see outside of Spain who the US has to worry about. I just don't. I'm very confident that I to the point that I'm not even going to spend a crazy amount of time. I'm actually looking forward to seeing what Gabby Douglas does. I think Gabby Douglas is going to be really good again. Obviously, the whole world is expecting her to be really good again. It should be really, it should be really interesting. But I do want to thank everybody for tuning in today. Once again, this is Monday through Thursday, Sports Social here on Soundcast FM. Trying to grow something little by little. And it's fun. It's fun, you know, obviously with you guys, I know there's no calls today, but it's fun to talk about what's going on in the world of sports. Because there is plenty. But uh, until next time, you already know where to follow me, at Ed Easton Jr. Keep it a real sports.com will be up very soon. Don't you worry about that.
all the replays. If you want to listen to us again, currently it's on SoundCloud. Let's go soundcloud.com forward slash keeping it real sports or KIRS website, I should say. You'll see it. And uh, I'm going to leave everybody off on a high note. Hope your Monday was great. Be back tomorrow. Coming off wet. And for all y'all suckers that don't know.